You are listening to Three Kitchens, a member of the Alberta Podcast Network. Locally grown, community supported. Join your hosts, Aaron Walker, Heather Dyer, and Sarah Soma Syndrome. What's for dinner? This episode of Three Kitchens Podcast is brought to you by the Business Council of Alberta. Have you ever wondered what it takes to create a good life in an equally good society? One where people, business, and the environment can flourish? Alberta Better, a podcast by the Business Council of Alberta, is on a journey to understand what it takes to create a good life here in Alberta and how we, as Albertans, businesses, and governments, can shape our society so everyone prospers. Find new episodes of Alberta Better on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also listen at businesscouncilab.com slash Podcast. That's businesscouncilab.com slash Podcast. New episodes drop every other Tuesday. there, everybody. Welcome to Three Kitchens Home Cooking Podcast. My name is Heather Dyer. I'm here with my co-hosts and friends. Hello. Hello, Heather. Hello. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm doing good today. I did some research. I like to listen to a podcast called Chef Story. Mm-hmm. And um, it's out of New York. And it's a lady who's interviewing a lot of famous chefs. Um, between 2011 and 2016, I think is the date. So it's a little bit outdated, but um, I think great chefs, you know, they live forever. And and she interviews the great <laughs> Francis Malman. So you know, yes. my favorite in, episode. In fact, that's the only episode <laughs> I've ever listened to. Just because Aaron was like, "We're not friends. If you don't listen to this, we're not friends." And I was right. like, "Oh my god, I gotta hurry up and listen to it." <laughs> that's right. <laughs> So every time they talk to these famous chefs or we hear about famous chefs in some of the cooking shows, they're always talking about Michelin starred restaurants. Mm -hmm. And so I was, you know, watching something or listening to something with my husband and he said, what do restaurants have to do with a tire company? Are they, (laughs) are they the same thing Is a Michelin star to do with the Michelin man? Do you guys know anything about this? Because I couldn't answer that question for him. I don't know, but I'm guessing the Michelin man is not handing them out. I'm just going to go on a limb and say that. But But it is the same company, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, come on. It is the same company. And let Mm -hmm. me give you a little bit of the history because I went and did this research for us (laughs) so that I could answer my husband's questions. And I feel like maybe some of ours, Heather. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, clearly, I do not have any idea. Let's All right. It. So the Michelin Guide for Motorists was published first in uh, the year 1900. And it was published by the tire manufacturing brothers, Edward and Andre Michelin. And it was to increase people's purchasing of cars to give them a reason to have a car and what they should go and do with their car. And hopefully the more cars that were sold, the more tires that would be needed. And it was a <clears throat> marketing sort of a sidebar to their, uh, to their tire company. So they mm-hmm. originally published it only for France. And then as time went on, they added other countries. It was a free guide that was provided at car dealership so that, you know, now that you've got your car, here's what you can go and do with it. Go and travel through um, France. It had maps. It listed repair shops. Some of them had hotels in it. It was kind of to increase 
people's use of their cars and their tires. Their tires. Yeah. So that they would buy more tires. Go out and wear out the tires on your car. Get going. Right exactly. <laughs> but eat good food while you're at it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ah, well, it didn't originally have a restaurant guide in it. The guide was suspended due to World War II. And then when it was um, republished and came back into circulation um, in 1920, they started charging money for it. And at that time, they added in a restaurant and review uh, section. After the first few years of doing that, the restaurant reviews started taking off. People really liked Mm -hmm. the restaurant (laughs) section. And so at first they only had a single star system, but then in the 1930s, they upgraded it to the three star system that they now have today. And so a restaurant will be awarded anywhere between one and three stars based on five criteria that the Michelin system goes by. Uh, The five criteria are the quality of ingredients, the mastery of flavor and technique, the chef's personality coming through in the cuisine, the harmony of flavors, and the consistency over time. If you have one Michelin star, it's worth a stop and high quality food. If you have two Michelin stars, it's worth a detour and excellent quality food. And if it's a three star, it is worth a special journey to the destination and provides exceptional quality and food. Hmm, very nice. I, I got all of this off the Michelin website and it is one of the world's, you know, renowned. I mean, it's, it's everywhere now. The yeah. Michelin star guide gets published yearly. And so you think to yourself, who are these people? reviewing Mm -hmm. this food who's making these choices very lucky people very very lucky people well there's a bit of controversy around that Mm. Uh, so the inspectors have some qualities that they must meet they must be completely anonymous i can do that yeah you cannot Mm -hmm. identify yourself or be obvious about it i don't believe you can sit and take notes at the table You've got to kind of record everything in your mind as you're eating. Right. Um, apparently, now that everyone takes pictures of their food, it makes it much easier for them to take pictures of their food. <laughs> 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 because you can imagine, you know, if somebody brought a camera into a restaurant in, you know, 1976, it'd be like, what yeah. the fuck are you doing? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> You'd point yourself out right away. So you have to be only employed by the Michelin So guide. this is not your side job. You have to pay for your own meals. They can't get a free meal at a restaurant. So oh, you can't be, gotcha. you can't okay, be bribed oh, by the, re- you oh. know, like you can't show up right, at the restaurant, right, right. eat your meal and then say, oh, by the way, I'm reviewing for Michelin. Oh, okay. 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 You got to yeah. pay for your meal and, and be like a real customer. <laughs> They're hired based on their expertise in hospitality. And then stars are based on a team review of the restaurant. So no one reviewer decides oh this is a three-star restaurant they get reviewed multiple times by multiple inspectors and then the star rating is based on a team meeting between inspectors Hmm. interesting you know the new york times star rating system is also referenced Mm -hmm. by a lot of chefs but they know who those people are Mm -hmm. that dude who is reviewing for the times most people know who he is what he looks like and when he shows up at a restaurant you see him walk through the door and chefs are like, oh, game on. You know, he doesn't mm-hmm. announce that he's coming, but when he shows up, everyone yeah. knows who these food writers are. So I kind of like the anonymity of it. I think it, you know, makes it seem like a more reliable guide. Yeah, it looks like we found uh, we found our next career move. <laughs> 
totally love it. Who knew that it was all started by a tire company trying to sell tires? Yeah. I thought that was, I was, you know, when my husband said, you know, he asked like, is this the same company that makes tires? And I was like, it can't be, it must be something different, but well, and you think that maybe they just sponsor it, like, you know, throw money at it or something, but it's actually was started by them for their own purposes, which makes it interesting. So I did, I did know the story because I went to a Michelin star uh, place in Singapore and they had that right up in the restaurant very cool and uh i went to my cousin and we're like oh well this is interesting and never i would never have put the two together i just thought (laughs) until i read that yeah duck rice Mm. the restaurant where the podcast i listen to is recorded and broadcast out of i've actually eaten there too in new york in brooklyn nice nice it was roberta's in brooklyn so we were there a few years ago with our family my youngest son bit into a wine glass and shattered it in his mouth (laughs) we you know we visited and we caused a scene (laughs) oh lovely uh dining out with children isn't it such a treat (laughs) Mm -hmm. so heather what michelin star meal are you making for us today because you you never disappoint so who's gonna come and grant me a star for this i I will i'll be your non-anonymous reviewer number one (laughs) Well, you will be yeah. reviewing for sure. I am going to bake bread. I'm going this time around. We're going back to bread. Mm. I'm going to make babka. <gasps> I have yes. never even eaten babka. I've not made it clearly. Has anyone made or eaten? No, no but bread? I just keep thinking of the Seinfeld episode. So exactly. <laughs> Is it chocolate babka? <laughs> Remember back to 1994. In the Seinfeld episode where Elaine and Jerry are going to a dinner party, they stop at the bakery, they want to get a chocolate babka to take to the party because Mm -hmm. that's the thing at the time in New York at this bakery. And so they forget to grab a number, it gets busy, people come in, they're like, but, uh, but that was, I was in line, but they had forgotten the number and they find out that these people they don't like who are also going to the party got the last chocolate babka. But there's still cinnamon left. But they're not impressed <laughs> with cinnamon. They say the cinnamon is the lesser yes. babka. We heard that babka. What's this one? Cinnamon babka. Another babka. So, <laughs> so here's what I'm thinking. I'm going to bake chocolate and cinnamon babka. Mm. We are going to settle once and for all, which is the lesser babka. I like this challenge. <laughs> so there may not be any stars awarded, but there will be some sort of decision made which which is the better babka chocolate or cinnamon that was a good intro then ah yes we're doing a rating scale listen i'm figuring out the art of the segue all right uh so what is a babka a babka is a sweet bread if you think along the lines of a cinnamon bun okay uh, because it is a yeast bread it's rolled out You put your filling on, you roll it up, but instead of cutting it into small buns, you split that log up the middle and sort of spread it out and then braid it together and then put it in a loaf pan. So it looks, you know, you get the shape, the swirls of the filling all through this braided bread. Okay. There goes my tummy. Oh, mine has been gurgling the entire time. I'm surprised you haven't heard it. Like You can't hear it over the magpies that are 
oh. having a party in my backyard. <laughs> uh, okay, so babka originated in the Jewish communities in Poland and the U- Ukraine and kind of then became more popular. Like, I mean, this is, I don't know exactly when it would have originated eons ago. Mm. Became more popular in like North America. I imagine those communities brought it with them. Right. And mm-hmm. when bakeries started to sell it, became more um, well known. And then Seinfeld blew it out of the water. Yeah, in, <laughs> in 1994. Because <laughs> whether it was famous or not, then it was after that episode aired. Yeah. We all know the word. Yep, totally. <laughs> now we know what it is, even if we've never eaten it. So yeah, that's right. And I think sometimes they're also made with fruit or cheese, or sometimes oh, okay. they're savory, like they could have almost any kind of filling okay. in there. And then they often have either a, like a syrup that's on top, which makes it kind of crispy, shiny dough, oh, okay. you know, Yeah. or a, like a, oh, I'm thinking like a crumble, like a, a streusel. Is that what like that, that topping is called? I don't know. I think that's what it's called, but I don't know. Anyway, sometimes it has that, I guess, on top, kind of like a coffee cake. Oh, it sounds delicious. I haven't decided exactly on a recipe, although I have a a few options. It's a brioche dough, apparently, which came back to France. So I think there's some shared history in the bread making of those European communities, I'm sure. Kind of a basic yeast dough. You would put it in the fridge to rise the first rise like overnight. Okay. And it doesn't apparently it doesn't necessarily increase in size but it's called the rise. I don't know. Is that the proof? <laughs> you guys tell me. It's the bulk fermentation. It's the fermentation in the fridge overnight. And then once you've rolled it out, put your filling on, done the braiding and everything, then again, you let it rise for, I think it's an hour, an hour and a half or something. And then I think, I believe it does increase mm. in size, but we will, we will find out. So recipes I've been looking at, the cinnamon filling is pretty similar to what you would do with a cinnamon bun. You've got your brown sugar, cinnamon, butter. Okay, yeah. Spread it on, except I think you're going for a lot of filling. Like you really want this to be like flavorful. Do you add cinnamon to the flour and the dough or no? From what the recipes that I've looked at, the dough is plain. Okay. The spread is where the flavor Ah, comes into it. mm -hmm. Okay, thank you. The chocolate one that... I was looking at is like you're in a saucepan, you're cooking chocolate, mm-hmm. butter, heavy cream, cocoa powder, mm-hmm. sugar, salt, oh like God. you're making kind of like an icing. Yeah. Oh, and then yes. that is spread. Oh, sounds good. So mm-hmm. it's not just like, oh, some cocoa or like sprinkle some chocolate chips in there or something. It's like a chocolate <laughs> spread. Um, nice. Oh, yeah. But I'm guessing you could also do like Nutella or like oh, some prepared, yeah. some prepared thing that you can you know, make it simple for yourself if you don't want to make the filling, but I think I'll make it because it sounds good. You better make it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> no shortcuts. <laughs> oh boy. I don't want Nutella. I'd still eat it. I want... <laughs> oh, I'll eat it. And then I'll, yeah. and then he'll critique. And then you'll complain. Well, it's only Nutella. No Michelin star for you. No. Half a Michelin star. <laughs> well, I wouldn't expect it. No that. personality when it's out of a jar, man. <laughs> I'm just trying to see if there's anything else in the baking. So it doesn't sound like it bakes a long time. It says 30 to 35 minutes. But of course, mm. we'll see how it goes in Calgary. Mm. Um, but of yeah. course, yeah. About a half hour at 350. And you're looking for an internal temperature 
at 200 degrees Fahrenheit. Now, I don't know that I've ever really noticed that you would take a temperature of a bread. I have never taken a temperature of a bread before. Yeah, weird, right? You had your temperature. Oh, but that was in the dough of your gougere. Yeah, in the dough. This sounds so good. And I'm so excited that it's a brioche because it's so brioche bread is so delicious. Yeah, apparently you can also, I had read some things where you sometimes find babka made with like a croissant dough. So that's that light, Uh, buttery, flaky sort of, but I think that would be Mm -hmm. a way more work. And I don't think it's the Mm -hmm. traditional babka. So I'm going to try to stick to the little more traditional dough for this. Mm -hmm. So there you go. That sounds very delicious. Yeah. Oh, look, my tummy's going again. I know minus two. I should, I, as soon as I started talking about it, I was like, oh, I'm so hungry. As soon as I s- walk into this closet, I start, which is where I do the recording <laughs> from. Yeah. My, my tummy starts going, no, go get cooking. Hurry it up, Heather. There we go. So I don't know when, <laughs> Just, I don't know when, but very soon we will have our cinnamon right. versus chocolate babka. Final decision will be made by us. And then Jerry and Elaine can keep fighting amongst themselves. <laughs> the lesser vodka. Oh, I hope I don't screw it up. Oh, God. Okay. You won't. All right. See you in a few. Okay, listeners, help us settle this debate that Jerry and Elaine started all those years ago. Which is the better flavor? Join us on social media and cast your vote for chocolate or cinnamon. Make Shift by Albury Innovates your next podcast binge. Join us as we take a deep dive with the people that are driving Alberta's 21st century economy. These global movers and shakers are working to solve today's challenges, create new opportunities, and build a healthy, sustainable, and prosperous future for Albertans today and for generations to come. Just when you think you know all about Alberta, we're here to shift your perspective. I don't know if I could stress this enough. We have a top three institution in arguably the most important technology in the entire world right now. We will prove a lot of people wrong by coming out of this even stronger. And the way we will do it is by finding ways to help businesses be cash flow positive and by willing to you know, find the ways that we can help. We're just starting to scratch the surface. And I mean, Calgary just this uh, last month announced the fact that they broke their record again for venture capital investment. And some of this is in fintech, some of this is in a whole bunch of different areas where we originally didn't even you know, have these types of core industries in Alberta. We have diversification in our DNA. We just have forgotten about it. Sincerely, we are blessed in Alberta to have all the infrastructure that we do have. Tune in to Shift by visiting shift.albertainnovates.ca or your favorite podcast app. So we're back with um, chocolate and cinnamon babka. How did it go, Heather? Babka is so good. Like, how did I go all this time never having eaten babka? All my 29 years on this planet. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) 28 for me. (laughs) And for Erin, that would put her in her teens. I'm about 12. Uh, okay, let's talk about how to make babka. So yes. I I mean, there's a million and one recipes out there. They're all basically the same. Okay. So I decided to try one from the pioneer woman, 
Uh, you know, she's Reed Drummond. She's on the Food Network. Okay. I don't really know okay. her recipes, but I thought it sounded simple. It makes two loaves. So check when you're looking for a recipe. Some of them are, might just make one loaf. It's worth it to make two. If you're putting the time into it, make a double, right? Okay. Um, and her recipes for chocolate babka. If you're looking it up, obviously I made one cinnamon and one chocolate with her recipe. Part of the process for making babka is to mix up your dough, put it in the fridge overnight. That's what the recipes always say. But because we've had some heat, it wasn't full on heat wave when I made this, but it was warm and I didn't want to have my oven going in the day. So I mixed up my dough early in the morning and put it in the fridge for the day. And then I baked it later in the evening. Ah, yes. Um, when okay. I was willing to turn on my oven. Right. And that seemed to work just as well. So if you forget to mix your dough the night before, you can still save yourself by mixing the dough in the morning and baking at night. <laughs> yeah. You have a backup plan. <laughs> yeah. Just, you just have to plan ahead so that you have time. It's not a quick, like, oh, I'm just going to whip these up this morning to have. Right. You have to plan ahead because it needs that time. So pretty basic flour, sugar, yeast, salt all together in the bowl. Then you add in your eggs and a yolk, milk and vanilla, and you mix it up until it comes together and it's quite sticky. Then um, on low speed, you're adding your butter one tablespoon at a time until incorporated. Was this like soft butter, melted butter? Mm, Room temperature, unsalted butter. So you're just putting it in a little bit at a time, watching it till it looks like it's mixed in. Um, adding more. And then when it's all done, you have this ball of dough, but it's not dry. It's still kind of sticky, which is okay. Putting your ball into an oiled bowl, mm-hmm. covering it with plastic wrap and putting it in the fridge for the night or the day. doesn't have a number of hours on any of these recipes, but I'm assuming because they say overnight, you know, you're looking for 10 hours or yeah, I think it could definitely be more. I think mine was... 13 hours or something. Okay. So then when you're ready to take it out for me, it was in the evening after dinner, I took it out um, and you let it sit kind of to get to room temperature while you make your filling and prepare your pans, your loaf pan, put your parchment paper in it. I did two styles. So I did the kind of traditional braided in a loaf pan. And then I also did the other one I did in a knot, which we can talk about in a bit. That's why I don't know if you could tell from the slices you had, but they were a different shape, kind of. I, I may have eaten it a little too quickly. To, <laughs> I may have uh, just shoved it, it in my mouth <laughs> without observing closely. You'll have to look at the picture. Yeah, and you can see that they are different, different forms. So were these just baked on a pan or? Okay, so you're going to roll out your dough. First of all, you're going to cut it in half because you're making two loaves. You're going to roll it out right. roughly uh, 10 by... 14 inch rectangular piece of dough is what you're going for okay. and sprinkle or spread your filling depending kind of what consistency you've got. So right. for this recipe, the chocolate filling is room temperature, butter, sugar, cocoa, a little bit of cinnamon and chopped uh, bittersweet chocolate. So it's okay. not, you kind of spread it, but you can't really because of the chocolate Mm. that's chopped up in there so I did see a tip after the fact on another recipe that said it might help to roll it like use a rolling pin and kind of roll it into the dough a bit so it sticks so it doesn't fall okay so then you roll it up like you would a cinnamon bun right you roll your dough okay then um you're gonna do this for both of them so the other one I rolled out I put the cinnamon and I just kind of did what I would do for a cinnamon bun like 
right. Um, right. butter, brown sugar, cinnamon, and kind of just eyeballed that and then spread that on and rolled it up. Then you have your two logs, right? So you wrap them in a bit of plastic wrap, put them in the freezer for about 15 minutes. So they're easier to handle when you're tying in a knot or twisting around or whatever you're going to do with it. So when you take it out, you have a long log and you're going to cut it lengthwise in half. And to make the um, braid, you're cutting it into two, but not all the way through. So at the top, it's still connected. You have ah, two pieces. Okay. Yeah. Like you give each of those a little twist and then you basically just twist them together. It's not really a braid because there's I was only gonna two. I going to say, is it, is it more of a twist than a braid? <laughs> yeah. They always call it a braid. It's not really a braid. Stick it in your loaf pan and then you're going to let it sit to rise for like an hour and a half. Oh, okay. And for the knot that I did with the cinnamon, I found a YouTube video that we followed. So you cut it in half the same way, but you cut it all the way through. So you have two pieces. Then you cut each of those into two pieces. So Lengthwise? you have lengthwise, you have four okay. long Strands. pieces of dough with the filling right. inside, right? It's like layers, basically just okay. layers. I can't really describe to you how you form it into a knot. You'd have to just look at a video. Right. A it kind of crisscrosses all the dough. Yeah. So it looks sort of woven like the side of a basket. Is that kind of like that somewhat yeah and then you tuck the edges okay. kind of in right. and you put the it, it's sort of round <laughs> yes right yes. And it's like a round and you put that in I just put it into a round cake pan and again you're letting that rise for about an hour and a half before you bake it I didn't find I mean I didn't do any kind of a little proofing hack thing with the dough but it didn't seem to rise a whole bunch so I was a little concerned about that but I wouldn't worry about it because seem to turn out just fine. So I'm not worried about how much it puffs up. Did she say in her website, if there was like, you know, some websites say it has to rise to twice the size or a one and a half, no, nothing like that. She just says, let it rise at room temperature for one and a half hours. Uh, Okay. So then you're going to bake it at 350. What does she say here? 40 to 50 minutes or until the bread is 190 degrees Fahrenheit. Oh, so it was about 45 minutes. It was right in there, according to her okay. recipe. Okay. I checked okay. it at 35 and I was like, mm, it's not quite, I put the thermometer in at 35 minutes and I was like, mm, no, it's not. The problem with the thermometer, it's tricky because depending where you stick it, you might just right. be testing the temperature of your filling, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Exactly. Yeah. It's hard to pick. So I tried to pick a piece of like a part of it that looked bready and mm-hmm. stick it in. <laughs> Who knew you use your thermometer on, on breads? Like, I know, we, but we've been doing some of this now. Hasn't it been like the last three things we've talked about have been like thermometers and in, in strange things like, like in the Gougere, oil. there was a temperature <laughs> for the dough before you, yeah, yeah, I know it's kind of interesting, right? Yeah. I think that's so cool. I still think you could just do the old toothpick or toothpick. skewer test to right. see if it's done I mean right. that's, that yeah. works was the outside like when you make a bread usually you're able to knock on the bread well I didn't knock but it was quite uh browned on top right and I think you can kind of tell you can this particular bread is quite a soft one yes. anyway right there's no yeah. hard crust on it. babka's topped with something usually so either like a streusel like a coffee cake would have like a crumb on top oh um or in this case, according to this recipe, she does a, like a simple syrup. So you make your sugar water syrup, yeah. let it cool while the bread's baking. You've done that. It's cooled. 
And then when you take it out of the oven, you can poke some holes in it if you want to. And you pour your syrup over the top in quarter cup at a time. So I think it ended up being close to three quarters of a cup for each loaf, which when I pour it, because it's still in its pan Mm -hmm. and I pour the syrup over top and I'm like, it's just kind of sitting there. And I'm like, oh no, (laughs) what is this good? I don't know. (laughs) Like it has to, and then it kind of soaks in, but I thought, am I making this soggy? Like what is going to, what's this going to do? Clearly. I mean, you tried it. It was not soggy. Yeah. Good. I think it just adds that extra moisture and sweetness to it. Mm-hmm. Sorry, did you do that syrup step while it was still really hot, like fresh out of the oven? Yeah, you do it right away. Okay. And then you let them sit in the pans until they're cool, like about, she says, about 40 minutes. Right. I let them sit there, I don't know, close to an hour probably. And then I just lifted it out with the paper and put it onto a rack. And all the syrup had been absorbed. There was oh, no nice. like puddles or mushy <laughs> bits. Oh, wow. Yeah, I do that when I, I've done that before with like, a, if I make a lemon loaf, and it's supposed to have like a glaze over top, it's the same thing. It's the lemon juice and sugar. And you just pour it over top and it bubbles and it sizzles and it kind of like crisps on the top, but then it soaks into the bread. And yeah, it doesn't make it mm. soggy. Somehow it does that magic. <laughs> yeah, that sounds yummy. Okay, so I would like to know which you preferred. Did you have a preference for chocolate or cinnamon? <laughs> this was so hard. Your husband dropped it by. My kids were gone, but sadly, my husband was not. <laughs> oh, no, you had to share. I had to share. But I think that's okay, because we both got a chance to give our opinions. So first, he had the cinnamon. And he was like, wow, this is amazing. I wasn't expecting this. This is so tasty. Uh, and then he bit into the chocolate piece that I had left for him. And he was like, oh, no, this is the best. This is definitely, <laughs> wow. Yeah, chocolate's the winner. <laughs> I like chocolate to a degree, but I'm not a big chocolate fan. Like, it's mm. usually not my go-to thing that I super love. So honestly, I liked the cinnamon one better. That would be my preference. Sarah, what did you think? So I had all four people here. So all of us, we tried it. We did a taste test and Uh I fully expected to love the chocolate one, like hands down, because I'm a chocolate lover, right? But it was two and two. So two loved chocolate and then my daughter and I loved cinnamon. But then I had a little bit left over. And so I think it was like maybe 10 minutes later, I went to taste it again and I'm like, no, wait a minute. I like the chocolate (laughs) one better. So I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) Like I am completely torn. I also felt like I couldn't really pick one, Um, but I do prefer, I thought the cinnamon maybe had the edge because of the way it was tied in the knot because you're spreading the filling right around a bit more. Whereas the chocolate one had like, you'd get like a big bite of chocolate and then maybe a bite of bread. The cinnamon, it felt like more evenly distributed because of the way it was cut and tied up. So I would maybe try the chocolate and maybe do smaller chunks of chocolate as well and um, try tying it in the knot. I also thought it looked prettier. The knot was a prettier presentation. And if you're going to make it like to give or something, (gasps) go the extra effort and make the knot and it looks so pretty. Yeah, I I do have to say, I'm looking at the picture of what you took. It's just both of them look amazing. So pretty, right? But I do love the round shape better. Yeah, me too. It's very intricate and beautiful and just well done. Well done, Heather. So beautiful. 
and and that color on top it's so pretty just everything about it is just artisan yeah and you know at christmas time i made something similar with like where we put jam in it my son and i made this thing where you put jam and you and it turns out looking kind of like a star and it's really pretty oh. but the dough is too heavy right. it's too heavy and i just think i will never go back to making a cinnamon bun with this like dense bread dough when you could do a little extra effort with the butter and the milk and make this dough which is so much lighter and so mm, light I think so much better and fluffy oh I loved it so good Mm -hmm. so I want the recipe please I say anybody try it it's so good I mean if you like bread (laughs) yeah I I feel like you have the you have the bobka magic Heather because I think what you made was just perfect just follow the recipe I'm not kidding (laughs) like I didn't do anything no you've got something special going on (laughs) (laughs) just take it you are the bobka queen you are not the lesser bobka maker oh wow you are the greater (laughs) that is quite the compliment my husband said can you make bobka every week and I'm like do you want to weigh 250 pounds (laughs) what are you willing to sacrifice here because we will just eat that we will eat it up oh yeah How, how hard do you think this was in like next time would it be much easier it was not difficult oh, it was at not all. difficult it just nice. requires patience because mm-hmm. you've got to leave it in the fridge you got to plan ahead yeah pick your time when you want to bake it leave it in the fridge okay. and I I mean I'd have to look into it a little more but I think you could leave it longer if you needed more time like if you needed to whip that dough up leave it in your fridge for a couple of days I don't think that it would make a difference but I'd have to do some mm. reading up and would you put any other fillings in it oh you know what there's so many there's savory I've seen it with pesto I've seen like oh, green tea and black sesame like matcha oh, interesting. and sun-dried tomato and rosemary like you could do it's a bread it's just a bread right so right. It's sweeter but you could put anything you can think of to spread in there mm. and roll it up wow yeah I'd like to try a savory one no kidding yeah. I really like yeah. bread doughs where you mix everything together and then just leave it overnight. Because I feel like sometimes with the other doughs that we've encountered where you're mixing and kneading and bulk fermentation and proofing Mm. and, right, there's a lot of words that get tossed around and it can (laughs) kind of make it sound intimidating. Whereas when you just mix it and leave it and then bake it. Yeah, and I think actually the less you knead it, the better. I think the recipe may have said to, to let it go on that dough hook for... 10 minutes or something but then uh, right. most other recipes I saw were like avoid kneading the dough like maybe you don't want to toughen it up yeah you just want it to be all combined and then leave it alone don't right. mess with it and you don't want to put out too much flour when you roll it right if okay. you can avoid it because it will dry it like you don't want to dry out the dough by adding more flour right. oh that was one note that I did have ah it was r- super sticky like mm, okay. more sticky I think than it was supposed to be um it wasn't coming together and I ended up adding I think three more tablespoons of flour as I was mixing it I just did it a little bit at a time to bring it together because it was super wet was it by cup measurements or was it weight this one is cups Okay. Which is not my, pr- it's not I always reliable at the best yeah. of times. Yeah. So this has four cups of all purpose flour. Also, you just, I like that you just put all the dry stuff together, including the yeast mm. in the bowl together. And then you just add your wet stuff and you mix it up. You're not like 
putting the yeast with the milk and waiting for it to bubble and do its thing. And like, you're not messing with any of that. You're just putting it all together. It's an instant yeast. I don't know if that makes a difference to anybody, but go make babka. No, I'm going to go make babka. It was, and I like saying the word. I know I'm drinking my coffee right now. And I'm, I'm like closing my eyes and trying to like summon the memory of that. Oh God. It was just so good. Heather. It really, I loved it too. It was so good. And I'm like, why have I not made this before? I will never make just a regular old cinnamon bun again. Forget it. This was so easy. It was easy to roll out. It took like very little effort, really. Just patience. That's it. Awesome. Getting back to the Seinfeld episode. <laughs> is there any indication in her recipe or, or write up about it? If there was a traditional filling for babka? I don't believe from this uh, recipe. But I have seen it in many places. Chocolate obviously was not traditional. It was not traditional. Okay. No, because they wouldn't have had that. I mean, this is an old, old tradition of making this bread. Mm -hmm. And I don't even know that it always would have had a filling. I think it was like the basic bread. Ah, okay. Uh, You know, they wouldn't have even had cinnamon for quite some time. And then when they got these types of things, you start adding that in. And I think maybe it was more common probably to have dried fruit or nuts. Or something in there. Okay. Right, right, right. The chocolate, I think, was introduced in the States. And then made popular by Seinfeld. <laughs> well, it was made popular by bakeries in New York, okay. Jewish bakeries okay. that made it. It was just Seinfeld took it to yeah. everybody else. Right. To everybody we all else. learned about <laughs> it. Brought it to <laughs> us. Yeah. And that was 19, 1994 was that episode. If anybody wants oh. to look it up, it's called The Dinner Party, the Seinfeld Excellent. episode. Yeah, I think it was February 1994. The husband and I watched it uh, <laughs> as we were doing dishes the other day. Oh, awesome. <laughs> yeah. All right. I'm glad you liked it. Go forth and make babka, everyone. All right. We're done. We're going to go stick our feet in the kiddie pool. Oh, because <laughs> it's hot. That sounds great. I'm out of here. <laughs> All right. Bye, guys. See you later. Bye. And now for the fine print. You can find recipe information and photos on Instagram and Facebook at Three Kitchens Podcast. Why don't you leave us a comment? Give us ideas for future episodes. We'd love to hear from you. And of course, if you like and subscribe and follow, all of those things help other people find us. Okay, guys, on the count of three, which one did you like better? One, two, three. Chocolate! Oh, there you go.